Beginning in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, the, with, with might through his Spirit in the inner man. Let's pray. Great God and Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time that we have together, Lord. We thank you for the privilege to come before you, to worship you, to gather in the name of Jesus, to sing our praises to you, to worship you, to worship you in song from our heart, to pray to you, Father, to break the bread of life, that we may share your word, that we may be built up, that we may be nourished and edified, Father, that we would be able to Father, to be more like Jesus because of this experience that we've had this morning. Father, being in your presence by Holy Spirit, you invading our spaces here this morning as individuals. Father, that you would come inside of us in a real and a special way, Holy Spirit, that you would ignite a new fire in us to burn away the dross as you've taught us in the weeks past. And, and Lord, to come inside of us and to live your life through us. Lord, that's our desire this morning, that somehow, some way, because of our gathering here this morning, because of our worship and adoration of you, that you, would, that you would make us more honorable vessels, that you would fill us up, and that people would see Jesus in us. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So bless us in your great name, Jesus. Amen and amen. So now this morning, uh, we're going to be speaking of being built up in the inner man, being built up spiritually. You know, I mean, how many of us have exercised in the past and, and you know, we, 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 ex you know, we experience this exercise regimen, you know, we'll, we'll watch what we eat, we may take certain nutrients, and I know athletes do like creatine and do certain things as part of their workouts so they could build up big muscles and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, one thing that I found out, you know, the minute you stop exercising, you know, different things happen to your body. You know, you have to keep exercising. So I, I just want to start off by saying, yeah, we need to build up our inner man. Not because Tony said so, but because the Word of God says so. But that's, an, that's going to be an ongoing process. It's not something that we could do for a little while and then think, okay, we're okay, we've arrived. No, we're going to have to conti continue to keep working because just like what we find in our natural bodies when we stop working out, you know, things, different things happen. We, we don't have that same strength that we have. We don't have that same... I used to call it this way. I lose my pump. And it, come on now, don't to start making fun of the old-time language, the old-time dialect. I lose, you know, when I was in high school and we were, in, you know, we were wrestling and playing football and all that, we were working out all the time. You walk around with your chest puffed out a little bit, your arms a little... You make sure you wear no short T-shirts or no shirts, or no shirt sleeves at all. I'm telling you, Seth, don't make, I'm telling you. And you walk around with that pump. Well, I'm talking this morning to you. I, no, let the Holy Spirit minister us this morning about keeping our spiritual pump. I want to be spiritually pumped up. Amen? All right, so now let's continue in Ephesians, but now in chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Not all of it will be up there, but you know. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand 
you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. My brothers and sisters, it's obvious as usual I've made, I've highlighted some things and, and, and want to make sure that we are uh, duly noting the subject matter today. And if you'll see, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then also praying in the Spirit. Now we've been speaking about Holy Spirit and, and His function, what, his, what, you know, what He is doing for us, in us, through us. And, you know, I'll just, uh, I guess, unashamedly, I guess, or maybe a little sh shame involved, I was very transparent and told you how, you know, the, the Holy Spirit has, uh, God has kind of uh, took me behind the woodshed in, in weeks, the past few weeks, and, you know, really spanked me, and, and I was burned. The Holy Spirit, that, that consuming fire that God is, that function of the Holy Spirit that, that, uh, that burns us, that allows the, 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 the garbage to be burned out of our lives so that we can become more pure, more suitable for the function, for, for glorifying God. Amen? That, that function of the Holy Spirit in us, it burns and burns and burns. But now, my brothers and sisters, we're supposed to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, the Holy Spirit um, has a sword. So the Holy Spirit is not only a burning or a consuming fire, the Holy Spirit uses a sword. Hallelujah. And we'll get into that a little bit more. So now, in order to you know, really uh, speak to and illustrate the function and the dynamic that is the Holy Spirit, we've referred a lot to the day of Pentecost because that's the first you know, day, the first where the Holy Spirit was really poured upon, poured out upon the early church. Amen? Amen? And so, going back to the day of Pentecost, we know exactly what happened. We know that they were told, they being the disciples, were told to go and wait in Jerusalem, that they would be, uh, receive the promise of the Father, be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not too many days from that point in which Jesus told them that, which was probably about his 40th day on earth, and 10 days after that would be the day that the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. And so we know, we don't know how many were, were, were sitting in the room. We don't know how many started, but we do know that when the Holy Spirit finally fell, there, was, there were 120. There were 120 people in that room. They were waiting, and they were waiting for days. They were obeying the Lord. They followed exactly what the Lord had told them. Exactly what the Lord had told them. Right? And they followed it, and they sat, and they waited. Didn't worry about comfort, discomfort, or anything else. They just obeyed the Lord, and then the Spirit did fall. And when the Spirit fell, something happened. And when it happened, those same people who were shy, who were afraid prior to, 
they fell out into the street and they started speaking and praising God. They were praising Him, giving Him praise for the wonderful things that He has done. They were doing it in unknown tongues, but it became known because at the same time, the Holy Spirit was giving them a language. He was giving people ears to hear. Those people from all over the place heard them all speak in all of their languages simultaneously the wonderful things that God has done. Amen? Hallelujah. But then Peter, and you know, we, we, I, I know that you know this story, and please uh, forgive me for repeating again and again and again, but man, I really want you to get this picture in your mind. This is a very, very powerful, this is a very, very monumental thing in the church of God, in His church. This marks the beginning and in that, listen, in that time, here's what happens. As people are mocking people who already believe in God, they were in, that, in Jerusalem for that holiday. They were gathered from all over the place. And they were hearing the wonderful things that God had done. But then there were others who were mocking. They saw that and they were mocking. And then Peter got up and he laid it down. Peter got up and he shucked the corn. He went ahead and he laid that word down and he spoke in Aramaic and he preached. And he preached and he didn't care about who heard. He didn't care about getting arrested. He didn't care about suffering the consequences. He obeyed the Lord. The Holy Spirit got all over him and that Holy Spirit caused him to open up his mouth. Hallelujah. And he preached. And then in Acts 2.36, he ended the message like this. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Hallelujah. So now these people that listened and they heard this message, and then Peter ends the message with that. They were, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and, said, and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I, again, always, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What did they hear? They heard the gospel. They heard the word of the Lord. They heard the word. The word. The sword of the Spirit. The word cut them. It says it right there. They were cut to the heart. The word pierced them. The word cut their heart. The Holy Spirit ministered to them down on the inside and, and now they're in this situation where, okay, we've heard this word. It's had an effect on us. Now, you know, I, I just can't help it. Down deep inside of our soul. We're, there's something happening here. This is, what, what? Well, now what do we do? What do we do? Repent. Change. You need to change right now. You need to change course immediately. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
those folks were there. That was their, that was their religion. That was their way of life. They're in there. They're, they're there celebrating a holy day. Repent. Repent. That same Jesus that your religious leaders just killed is your Lord. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah that you've been waiting for. So now, repent. Stop looking for the Messiah. Stop following the traditions. Stop being religious and start following Jesus. That's, that's, that's what they're saying. Why? Because it's so, it, they got so wrapped up by this time. You know, they, 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 they had the law, they had the prophets, and they, were, they had Jesus preaching and teaching, but they chose, listen, they chose not to follow Jesus because it didn't fit their traditions. It didn't fit what they thought it should be. They were also so wrapped up in their own power and their own authority, their own position, their own status. They could not submit to someone who was of that ilk. But yet there were some who truly were seeking after God. And so when that Holy Spirit ministered and preached and taught through Peter that sword, that word, that it pierced their hearts. And they had to come to a decision. They had to make a decision. There are a lot of people that heard that same word. The religious leaders, the ones who were following traditions, heard that same word. I was reminded of this in Matthew chapter 15. Don't turn there, just listen for a little bit. It was one of those times when Jesus was, was, was being challenged by the religious leaders. They approached him and, they, and, and, and their beef with him, because they're always trying to catch him in something, their beef with him was, why do your disciples eat without washing their hands? Why do they not follow the traditions of the elders? And, and Jesus goes through this whole thing and, and he, he tells them, you guys are hypocrites because you know, you're so, you care more about your, your own traditions than you do about the, the law of God because you'll go ahead and you'll allow people to go ahead and donate stuff to the ministry so that they don't have to take care of their own parents and you call that good. When in fact, the word of the Lord says that you need to t honor your father and your mother. So, so, so you're allowing people to give you what they should be honoring their father and mother with and you're saying that it's okay because you would rather them put it in the church treasury. Now I'm speaking, well, you hear what I'm saying to you? Is that tracking with you? You're hypocrites. So beginning in verse 7, Jesus, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandment of men. I, I, I just want you to get a hold of this. One of the things I really admired yesterday about the speaker, because I, I already had most of this message done. In fact, I've been working on two at once, and then this morning, it was really difficult because there were almost like two messages merged, and I didn't want to keep you here until 3 o'clock, so I broke it up. So now we'll only stay until 1 or 2. So anyway, having said that, 
you know, one of the things that as I was considering what happened last night with the youth, it was so amazing because God, you know, has really, he just is so great about bringing confirmation. Then, of course, I always have Michelle who says, kicks me and says, just preach what he tells you. (laughs) So it was pretty amazing because one thing that impressed me yesterday, one of the, the main things that that speaker wanted to get across to the young people was truth. You want to hear truth. Truth. And my brothers and sisters, I'm I'm just so... And I had the opportunity to speak with this gentleman afterwards. And I also had the opportunity to see the result of of some of the things that he said and how Holy Spirit used that and and really um, brought conviction on some folks that were there. But my brothers and sisters, it was so, because when I talked to him, his heart is where we are. You know what? There's so many things being said by so many different people. And so, you know, and, and sometimes we soft soap things and we, we're afraid to tell somebody the truth because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Or, or, or we're afraid they're not going to like us. So it's more important for us somehow to be, to be admired or to be liked or to be friends, uh, right? And, and I'm going to tell you, if you're in any kind of uh, position of church leadership, if you do that, you're hurting the people that you're trying to help. And, and then you're also hurting yourself. That doesn't mean that we're brutally honest with people and tell them, man, you stink on ice. We all stink on ice. But the fact of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, I, I've told you time and time and time again, if I have something on my face, I want someone to love me enough to say, hey, you, you, you need to take care of that. If I left my zipper down before I get into the pulpit, I would hope that somebody would let me know that, hey, how because... No, 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 I'm not trying to be silly. But can you think about that? Think about that for one moment. I would hope that someone would love me enough to embarrass me. I would hope that someone, listen, would not worry about hurting my feelings. Or I would hope that someone would not be so selfish that they would worry about me holding it against them, therefore they're going to hold back because they don't want to have, you know, they, they just, are you with me? And I know I've lingered there a little bit long, but my brothers and sisters, that's where we are right now. And truth, truth is what gets the job done. Hallelujah. So now what happens is because then we compromise the truth, we end up following traditions and philosophies of men. Now, okay, there may be some great intentions that, are, that, 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 that go along with that. And that's, that's okay. I mean, it's, it's okay to be a, just generally a nice person or just follow everything. But, but my brothers and sisters, the problem with that is when you're, when you're following a tradition and not the, the sure enough truth of God, you're not firmly planted, when the storm comes, you will be blown away. You, you, have to, you have to know the truth because here's the other thing that the Bible tells us very specifically. They will know the truth and the truth will make them free. So if you don't know the truth, you are still in bondage. To what? To whatever the, listen, to whatever the enemy wants to use to lead you around. See, he's going to let you go ahead and play church. He's going to he, he will go ahead and let you do some 
kind things and be hospitable. And he's going to let you be a, a generally nice guy or nice lady. But my brothers and sisters, it's the truth that makes you free and it's the truth lived through you that sets others free. Are you with me? Come on, stay with me. It'll get better. In Matthew 15, when Jesus finished this, see, his disciples, they, they, they were a little bit concerned. Do you know that you, that you absolutely, you offended the, the Pharisees? <laughs> if I were Jesus, yeah, what else is new? <laughs> yeah. but, but then he, and then Peter said to him, explain that to us. What does that mean when, when he talked about, because Jesus said to them that, he said, it's not what goes into the man that defiles him. Right? It's what comes out of the man that defiles him. Matthew 15, 18 says it this way. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, and these things are which defile a man. Now, yesterday, something interesting, I made an observation when the speaker said something about, he, you know, he's broken all of the commandments. I saw some of the kids kind of chuckle and say to themselves, oh, that means he's a murderer. <laughs> well, he may have not committed physical murder, but I'm sure that speaker understood exactly what he was saying. Because if you slander somebody, Jesus said that's murder. You've killed your brother. Jesus says, if you slander somebody and you have that zis boom ba behind it, where you just, he said, you, you, you know, you've committed murder. So, so when, we, when I read a scripture like this, my brothers and sisters, now knowing what Jesus has taught and not simply looking at it from the Old Testament law perspective, and I see out of the heart evil uh, proceed evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. So what is that saying? If I think those things that are bad... That's a problem. That's a problem. Why? See, again, I know that you know this, but I need, to, I need to say this in case someone listening hasn't heard this before or in case you just need to be reminded. The law pointed out the fault, but it could do nothing about the fault. The law can, can show you how you're being offensive to God, but it couldn't do anything about it. God is not about just changing our behavior because there are many of us in this room who have modified our behavior. But God is about changing your heart and the behavior following the heart. You're behaving that way not because you just want to impress somebody or you want to earn heaven or anything else. You're behaving that way because something has changed inside. So when I read this scripture, my brothers and sisters, I know without any shadow of any doubt. Why? Because Holy Spirit, His sword has cut me evil thoughts. So now when I think some of the things that I shouldn't think, that's all that needs to happen. I've teased with you before and I've kidded with you before and I've told you like when I've been cut off on the highway and you know that wells up in me and you know that bad word got right about to here but I didn't I held it back. You know what? When that bad word got right to here, I would have it's the same thing. What that is revealing is that there's still something in me. 
There's still something in me that I'm regarding and it needs to change. And see, here's the beautiful thing. Oh, Tony, then what chance do we have? We're always going to be fighting this battle. No, but we're not fighting it alone. See, that's the, the great thing. When we accept Jesus, see, and, and I love this because, you know, where so many of us are told that, you know, we need to go down to an altar and accept Jesus in our heart. And so that's what I tried to explain to someone who I was witnessing to yesterday is, look, it's, you know, think about this. You're, you're trying to, te to teach somebody or minister to somebody who has never had this experience, but they just know something happened. And they feel, okay, now accept Jesus in your heart. Well, what does that mean? That, that I'm going to magically see a Jesus somewhere appear and just jump on inside of me? Now, that's ridiculous, right? Isn't that ridiculous? Is, or does it mean that I take a picture of Jesus or I have a picture of some kind of rendering and I try to eat it? I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Is, no, right? I, I thank you guys for listening. <laughs> isn't that ridiculous? Of course that's ridiculous. But isn't it ridiculous to say that phrase to somebody and leave them there? Isn't that ridiculous to tell a young person or an old person you need to accept Jesus in your heart and then, and then that's it? You prayed a prayer, now he's in my heart, everything's good? No, it, that's just as ridiculous. So what does that mean? We know what it means when you go to Jesus and you've repented. You, you see the problem is you. You see that you need to go a different way. Why? Because Holy Spirit has delivered a word to your heart and he's, he's made a little impression, a little cut, if you will, on your heart. And so you say, now what must I do? I'm going to repent, Lord. I need to go another way. And in that moment, Holy Spirit is in your heart. Jesus, His Spirit is now in you. Hallelujah. I can't believe I only got one amen in this whole building out of that. His seat. Now, no, 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 watch. You know, I know why I didn't get a big amen. You know why? Because who didn't know that? Right? Y'all knew that. But my brothers and sisters, how ridiculous is that? You know that because you've been going to church, you study scriptures, but how ridiculous is that when you're bringing somebody to the Lord or when someone goes down to an altar for the very first time and, and you're saying, yes, Jesus into your heart. They don't even know what you're talking about. Or it's just this, this thing. It's, an, it's just like everything else that we've said. Oh, you're the best. You can do anything. Just, just you know, say these magic words. It, it becomes this big fictitious phraseology. Sounds good, but practically speaking, what the heck is going on? No, you need to know, my brothers, my sisters, my young brothers, my young sisters, older, it doesn't matter. When you go down to that altar, when Holy Spirit has pricked your heart, and you know I need to change. I need to. I want to follow Jesus. When you go down there and you respond to that word, that Holy Spirit pricking your heart, when you respond to that and you understand I need to make a change, in that moment, His Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, comes and dwells inside of you. Have I, have I made that clear enough? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. But my brothers and sisters, listen. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was an itty-bitty baby Christian. It took me years to really understand and get a grasp. It wasn't that I wasn't saved, but I didn't understand how to strengthen the inner man because I really didn't know much about that except now i got to go ahead and pray to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that I could speak in tongues. No. No. I need to go ahead and let the Holy Ghost overwhelm me on the inside. I need to surrender who I am, what I am, to Him. I need to learn how to follow Him. I've made the decision now to change. 
the path that I was on, and, I, and that, now I'm going to follow him. Where is he? Oh, man, this wasn't in the message, so somebody needs to hear this. Where is he? I need to follow him. Repent. I'm going to change. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to forget Tony's way, and now I'm going to go the way of Jesus. Okay, where is he? How do I follow him? How, how can I follow what I don't see? That's right. Read and pray. And when I read, what am I reading? I'm reading the Word, the sword of the Spirit. So now I have the sword of the Spirit giving me the directions and I'm empowered by it to follow the directions. Hallelujah! He allows me to understand what I'm reading. He allows me to understand what I'm reading and in the moments when I read, I need that recall when somebody comes up against me or, or I'm in the middle of a hot battle, he'll, he'll bring it to my recall, that scripture that I've been studying and that's how I get to follow, that's how I follow him. That's how I do it. That's how I do it. I wish somebody would have taught me that way when I was an itty-bitty baby Christian instead of getting so worried about I'm not speaking in tongues yet. I, I must not be right. My kids are babies and they're getting sick. Something's wrong with me. I believe that. That's what I was taught. My son, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember my son being sick. And I remember getting over the crib and putting my hands on either side of the crib and just praying. God, if this baby is sick because of my sin, let me get sick. You know how ignorant that is? I'm praying to get sick? Because that's what, that's, the mentality, that's what I was told. I know this baby's innocent. This baby, you know, didn't, well, he's committed to you. We, when, when, when he came out of his mother's womb, immediately he was dedicated to the Lord. Immediately. But that was, see what, why? Because there was some teaching that was coming from a pulpit. And it had nothing to do with the sure enough sword of the spirit. It had everything to do with what their philosophy, what their bent was. Come on now. Now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm telling my brothers and sisters, I need, I want, in that moment, I need truth. I need to know the truth. I was in bondage to a degree. I'm not saying that I wasn't saved. I, I was saved, but I was so ignorant that I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a punching bag for the devil. I'm not f being strengthened in the inner man. So I'm continuing to be a punching bag for the devil. I'm the 98-pound spiritual weakling because I'm going here, listening to that, going there, when really I need the sword of the Spirit to keep cutting me and piercing me and, and cutting away some things. Let me go to Romans chapter 2 before I stay here too long. Romans chapter 2 and verse 28, here's what it says. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Do you got that? When you read your Bible, it's not going to look like that. But I'm telling you now, my brothers and sisters, this is what we need to get down on the inside of us. The circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So what is, what is Paul speaking to here? God had a, so, so, so why did God have them do that in the first place? The circumcision and all? Because they were going to be identified as God's specific people. 
you're a specific people, and some of those things, those, those, those holidays or holy days, as it were, and those rituals and those cleaning things and all that, were, those were all signs of the spiritual aspect of it that was to come. So now what he's saying is, you can do all of the religious things. Now let's put it in New Testament lingo. You can do all of the religious things, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You could try to look like a Christian on the outside, but until you let Holy Spirit's sword cut you on the inside, until you let the sword of the Spirit circumcise your heart, it doesn't matter what you look like or what you do on the outside. Are you with me? Does the, now listen, am I going sideways here? No, it's right out of the Word, my brothers and sisters. And let me just tell you, God revealed this right from the beginning. There, so many of the Old Testament prophets speak to this. I'm going to just quote a couple, but I mean, we could stay here for a while too, and I know how much you love it when I just spew all the scriptures, so I'm just going to keep it down to a mild word. In Jeremiah 9, 25, 26, here's what it says. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcision. You see what he's saying there? I'm going to, uh, listen, the day is coming when the people who think they're Jews, who are, who are Jews, who have been circumcised, who are the religious people, who are fu- fu- supposed to be my people, they're going to be punished with all of those people who are not my people. Quote, unquote. Are you with me? Okay. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised. And all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. So what he's saying is, listen, you're circumcised, you're following these rituals, but you haven't changed anything on the inside. Right? Now again, my brothers and sisters, I wish someone would stop me dead in my tracks if you think that I'm going sideways here because that is pretty well black and white to me. Yeah, but that's Old Testament, Tony. Nah, it's, it's the same. He's, his truth is the same. And we learn from those examples. Jeremiah 4, 3 and 4. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, to his people, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts. Now those of us who have been studying on Wednesdays, we were, uh, I, I, I just I thank you guys and I bless you uh, for blessing me in that we were able to, the last couple of weeks, we, we uh, listened to one of my teachers uh, preach a couple of messages and I thought it was just very fruitful. And we heard him quote something out of uh, Hosea, I believe it was, where he says, uh, break up your follow ground and seek the Lord. It's time to break up the follow ground and seek the Lord. And my brothers and sisters, I, I, I don't think anything happens by accident. I mean, I'm already working on this message and then I'm, go, I'm talking about you know, the foreskins or circumcising the heart, having the Holy Spirit. And, and look what it talks to us about. It talks to us about breaking up fallow ground and not to sow among thorns. So we, the fallow ground, what, what is he saying to these people? He's saying to his own people, break up your fallow ground. You can't be strengthened because you still have fallow ground. You know what? You're still hard-hearted. You still have not humbled yourself. You still refuse to allow the Lord, His Word, to get down deep and to penetrate. You're just so stubborn. 
How many times did he refer to his own people as stiff-necked, stubborn people? Hard-hearted. No, how does that apply to me? There are still some things that, you know, maybe I am refusing to allow God to minister. Uh, uh, there's some, some of those words of his that I'm refusing because it's going to cause me to have to change my whole act. Uh, maybe there's pride involved. See, because the opposite of humility before the Lord is being prideful. Maybe there's still some pride in here. I'm not going to let someone um, speak badly about me. I'm not going to let someone disrespect me. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I have a line. The line isn't where it used to be because, of course, now I'm a man of God. Now I'm, I'm saved. So the line definitely isn't where it used to be. I'm not going to... I remember one of... My father-in-law told a story one time in church, by the way, a long time ago. One of the times when me and Michelle were first dating, I think we were working on his front lawn. Dad, if I say this wrong, feel free to chime in. We were working on his front lawn or something, and Michelle was outside, and somebody in a car whistled at her or something. I was enraged. The Italian in me, I jumped in that car and I tried to chase him down. I did too, didn't I, Dad? Now, I'm not happy about that. Well, no, no. No, the, uh, see, that was still a lot of that old Tony. There was still this hardness. See, I'm, I'm using that as an example. I'm telling you, the Lord is working something out in me still. But, but see now, just because that line has moved, and I would never do that again, right? That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that, that I'm there. There's still, see, that's pride. That's ego. That was totally prideful. That was totally ego-driven. You're not going to whistle at my woman. You ain't going to look at my, what am I going to pluck his eyes out? What do you mean? How, how could you, she's a beautiful young lady. What do I think? No one's else going to notice that but me? How stupid is that? You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but just because the line has moved, that does, see, I still have to remain humble. God, I still have to allow the truth. I still have to allow, listen, that sword of the Spirit to keep cutting away some of those things. But see, I hold back because of my pride, because of my ego. Right? I can't do that. No one's going to get over on me. That's pride. That's ego. Stubborn. There's just some stuff that's just, I am who I am. I don't, I, I just, just, listen, if we're ever counseling, don't ever say this to me because counseling session will be over. Well, the Lord just knows who, my heart and that's just the way I am. Counseling over. Because if you settled on that, then you're not going to change. No matter what I say to you or no matter what the Word of God says, you've already settled it in your mind and in your heart. That's just the way you are. That's the way the Lord made me. That's just the way I am. No, that's not the way it is. See, that's, that's the very thing that we're talking about right here, right now. Break up that follow ground. God didn't want you to stay that way. If God wanted you to stay that way, he would not have come down and let himself be brutalized and tortured and spill every drop of blood. He did that so you don't have to remain that way. Hallelujah. 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 This is awesome stuff. I hope you're getting it. Now, so, so now, follow, break up the follow ground. Don't be stubborn. Don't be prideful. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. And listen, here's the other thing. I love in churches when you say a word, and I've seen this. <laughs> 
when I'm preaching. I'll say something, and a husband will look at the wife, like, this word's for you. Or vice versa. The wife will look at the husband, this word's for you. And then I can see him, get him, pastor. Get him, get him. <laughs> the word was for you. It wasn't for your spouse. You see what I'm saying? So that's the same thing. You're not allowing, you've got to break up that fallow ground. Remember, when that word is being preached, it's being preached to you. Now you and the Holy Spirit have to work out, how does this apply? Is this something that, Lord, that I'm still struggling with? Reveal it to me. Come on now. Somebody needs to get this. And, and I know I do. But I know I'm not the only one in this room. How about this? Sowing among the thorns. Let's, let, me, let me just remind you. Nyla, would you please put that scripture back up there? And you can leave that up there for a little while. So watch. Break up your follow ground. Do not sow among the thorns. Do not sow among the thorns. We can't be strengthened because we have not fully repented. We have not fully repented. See, we think we go to the altar and we got a few things to clean up. God, I know that I'm not supposed to smoke. I know that I have this addiction or I know that I have this bad habit. I say bad words or this or that or the other thing. Now, when you're younger, I mean, I can understand that. But now listen, remember, it's not just about these bad habits. It's, about, it's not about behavior modification. It's about changing the heart. So, so we go up to the altar and we know that we have to go ahead and quit smoking or we know that we have to go up there and quit drinking or whatever this bad habit is that we think we need to get rid of and then we're, then we're acceptable to God. And that's not what it is. So then we go ahead and we start living this life, this quote-unquote, I'm using the air quotes for those who are listening and not seeing, this quote-unquote, this chaste life, this life in God, when all we're doing is sowing among the thorns. We're, we're, we're getting that and we're mixing it with what we still are. We really haven't repented. We're just sowing this good seed among the thorns. Come on now. Or we try to step on both sides of the fence. You know, we've gone down to that order, altar uh, and a long time, but we're still trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. How could we follow Christ if we're following our old ways? You can't. See, it's his way or no way. And no, people hate that. And that's one of the reasons why people are saying about Christianity that it's the least tolerant among all of the major world religions and that's why it's being outlawed is because, you know, we're, we don't accept, we don't tolerate, we're intolerant. Baloney. Jesus is the most tolerant. You know what he said? Whosoever, whosoever, whosoever. It's not closed down. It's opened up. He loved the world that he gave whosoever would believe in him would not perish. It's not, listen, it's not totally intolerant. It's not, it, he loves you. He loved you before you were even a, I, I, I just, it just, I, I'm, I'm fighting back. Because the lies that are being told and our young people are believing them. But what are we doing? When we're sowing in, 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 um, among the thorns and we're half-stepping it, what are we showing the kids? Are we really being able to show the young people or even those people who are on the outside looking in who are being told all of these lies? Are we showing them the truth? 
Are we saying one thing and living another? Because that's, my brothers and sisters, sowing among the thorns. We're trying to mix the truth with some traditions. What about all of these denominations and all of these different doctrines and theologies and blah, 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 blah. There's one. One Lord, one baptism, one spirit. Well, one. It's all one. This Bible. You, listen, the Bible says that it's not left. It, it says of itself. The scripture is not left for anyone's per, interpret, personal interpretation. It says what it says. And it means what it says. I'm responsible, you're responsible for exegeting the scriptures, for studying the scriptures, for praying to God. And that's, my brothers and sisters, the spirit. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you really want the truth, you're going to get the truth. Holy Spirit's going to give you the truth. He's going to cut away that stuff. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. It'll be up on the screen. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. My brothers and sisters, God has given us a way to get that calloused, hard heart to conform to the truth. God has, has empowered us. He's given us His Word, the sword of the Spirit, we receive, and we don't just look at this as a textbook. We understand that this, Jesus himself said, my words are spirit and their life. Ephesians also says, you know what? The word of God is alive, quick, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Of the heart. God wants to strengthen us spiritually. He wants us to be built up spiritually. He wants us to get strong. He's given us all the tools that we need to do it. But we have to let Holy Spirit circumcise our heart. We have to receive the word. Not part of it, not just the stuff that we agree with and not just the stuff that doesn't stomp on our toes so much. Not just do the things that, well, if we modify our behavior just a little bit, we're, we're going to be good. No. We need to be cut. We need to be cut. Jesus paid a high price for that. I want to ask you all something. I'm closing. Look, I'm putting the notes away. Look, How many of you in here know that Jesus died for you? I mean, you personally. You know it. You know it. You know that Jesus gave his life for you. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, my brothers and sisters, that when he was on this earth, he was rejected by his own brothers. His own family rejected him. Right? Some of you have suffered rejection. 
And you suffered it from some people that are close to you. Amen, right? You know that Jesus, he walked everywhere he went. Oh, big deal. Everybody in that time did. Yeah, but not everybody was an itinerant preacher. Not everybody had to carry that gospel. He walked everywhere he went. You know that Jesus had to ride out some storms in a boat. And we only know of some of the things that he had to deal with. Not all. Do you know that when Jesus was preaching pure truth, there were people who couldn't match him spiritually that were trying to tell him how wrong he was? Anybody experience that? Do you know, and I know you do, Jesus was fasting and the enemy of our soul and his tempted him like we are. Try to go ahead and use the same tactics that he always has and always will. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. All of us in here are under those attacks constantly. Telling lies, things that were said to Jesus that Jesus knew were not the truth. So he had to fire back with the sword of the Spirit. How about you? How about all of the social media that you're involved with and all of the things that are being said just to stir you up, just to plant thoughts in your head, just to get black against white, white against black? Come on. We got to address this, my brothers and sisters. Trying to plant seeds in our kids' heads. Homosexuality is good and, and you know, every, you know, Fornication, that's just part of life. That's just who we are. All of these seeds that are being... See, Jesus had all of those things bombard him as well. All of these things that were, you know, lies that were trying to be planted, that were conflicting or contrary to the truth. Sword of the Spirit. How many of you know that when Jesus preached a message that was truth... People left him, never to return to him again. He split the church. How many of you know that? How about this? Jesus knows good and well he's spending three plus years with a man that he knows is a tool of the devil. He sees him face to face and there's no doubt that that man told him some nice things in front of him. But Jesus knew all along that he was going to be betrayed by him. But knew. Jesus knew it. And knew what was going to happen, but still stayed the course. Still did it. How many of you, if someone talks bad about you behind your back, man, you're wanting blood. Or it's the end of the world. Come on. Let's see how we can retaliate. Let's address this right here, right now. Jesus put up with all of that. How about this? Every time he tried to preach and those religious people, they always tried to challenge him or catch him or trap him. Always those naysayers, always those ones that have always pitted themselves up against him no matter what. He could feed people. He can clothe people. He can heal people. He's healing people, doing good, good, and he's still getting criticized for it. 
still can't go to Jerusalem at a certain time because it's not that time yet for him to go to the cross just because of all of that hatred that was mounted against him for no other reason other than he was doing good. You suffer any of that? Suffer for doing good? But how about this? Loves on his disciples, his apostles, his closest 12, even though one was a, a traitor. Loves on them, washes their feet, explains things to them. Constantly, they don't even understand what he's saying, but, he's, and, but he keeps explaining to them. And he loves them, and he, and he holds them as friends, knowing that they're going to betray him, knowing that they're going to scatter. Excuse me, one betrayed him, but knowing that they're going to scatter, they're going to abandon him. But he's washing their feet knowing that in just a few hours they're going to scatter. How about that? How about this? He goes into a garden and he's praying and asks some just to pray with them. Stay awake, but they can't do it. He gets arrested. When he gets arrested, there's really no good reason. Now he has to be mocked, ridiculed, scorned, Treated like someone who is a common criminal who hasn't done anything wrong. How many of you have been accused of something? And then, uh, how many of you, you know, when, when your boss says something on the job, you want to make sure you know, no, that wasn't me. You know how it feels, and that's not even life or death. And you feel, how, you know how that wells up in you. Remember, you said he did all that after you. Then, then he's arrested, and when he's arrested, he is brutally beaten and doesn't open his mouth. Brutally beaten, tortured beyond recognition. Nailed to a cross. Spear stuck in his side. Didn't open his mouth. He did that for you. Let me ask you something. What are you doing for him? Stand with me, please. <laughs>